Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Now it's just quiet, weird. <laughs> All right, we're recording now, so hold back some more of your racism, if you don't mind. <laughs> Uh, so for everybody listening, uh, Brian had to step away this week uh, due to due to some unforeseen bullshit. Uh, and so me and Doug decided to hang out and do a commentary track for uh, Day of the Dead. Yeah, we cleverly selected this movie because I already had the DVD out when Noah said you picked the movie. So I thought, well, that saves me the effort of thinking. It's just, it's just a convenient coincidence that this is, like, my favorite fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew you'd say yes, too. That was another reason why I didn't, didn't want to get into an argument about it. Right. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, it, I guess there's no point in saying anything else about the movie until we get into it. But I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorites, so. Right. It, it better be. If... <laughs> I suppose there's a. I know there's a lot of people who would prefer Dawn over a Day, but yeah, and we're gonna have time to discuss all that as we go through the movie. Um, True. I like. I don't even know which one. You'd have to ask me on each day which one was my favorite. So I don't even know how to pick. But uh, I don't know. So, we're not very good at the banter with O'Brien here, are we? Right. I need him to occasionally grumble and chime in with something. Yeah, or he knows how to just get us fighting. <laughs> right. Apparently we don't know how to do that on our own. <laughs> so so how are we going to do the count-in? Is it going to be one, two, three, go, or one, two, go on three? Oh, shit. We should have figured this out before we started recording. <laughs> do we have to start this whole thing from scratch now? Nope. We're going with it. So right. We're gonna get this right the first time. Yeah, sure we are. So, 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 which one is it? One, two, three, go, or one, two, go on three? I'm gonna leave this in your capable hands, and then I will let you do the countdown. And just to let the listeners know, we are both staring at black screens right now. So when we hit go, we'll be starting the movie. And if you're trying to sync it up, good luck. It won't work probably, but uh, you know, that's yeah. where we're at. It it will start at the start of the movie. So if you're watching it on a DVD or something that pulls up like the Dolby THX bullshit, you're going to need to get past that, past that yeah. to the start of the movie. That's what I had to do. So yeah. uh, and then so, I had to go in and turn off the commentary track that was playing automatically for some reason. Uh, all right. So I'm saying we'll, d we'll do one, two, three, go. And on go. Okay. We'll press the play button. So we go so, on go. Go on go. So are you are you prepared? I believe I am. Okay. One, two, three, go. This is one of those the the opening of this movie, I know it gets so much shit for uh, people making fun of the terrible face that she makes. Oh, really? 
I've never even heard that. All the time. I hear people always bitch it. They're like, it's the worst acting that's ever been put in a zombie movie. And I'm like, "Ah, yeah, but that's not fair. It's not fair to say that at all, because people who have seen a lot of zombie movies know how bad it can get. Right. Now, I will say this. So I get that now whenever I watch this and those hands come out of the wall, I'm just like, no, that's all right. (laughs) But man, the first time I ever saw this movie, that scared the holy shit out of me. (laughs) That's such a good jump scare. Yeah, I think it's a really effective opening scene. My whole thing is like opening it up on like the dream type scene has never been my favorite thing. Right. I find it's just a bit a bit of a campy way to start it. But this movie was made in the 80s, so there's going to be some camp. There's not really any way around that. And the effect is good. Like, those hands look good coming out of that wall. Right. Unless unless you're watching it on, like, an ultra Blu-ray, and then that wall looks real papery when they come through. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I have to keep it's it in a, mind not to upgrade my DVD then. Yeah, it is, it is one of those. It, this is one of those movies that looks way better on VHS. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you ever listen to, like, Kevin Smith commentary tracks when he does his own movies, he'll point out things where he's like, yeah, we knew that wasn't going to look good, but we also knew that it would be covered by the quality of the film. And then Blu-ray came along and everything got upgraded, and now people figure out all this stuff. And it's it's really unfair to judge movies like that. I mean, these they were never intended to be seen in high def. No one knew what high def was at the time. <laughs> Oh, man, this is my two favorite in, in all zombie movies ever. My two favorite characters, the uh, the helicopter pilot and the the dude who just gets drunk and bitches about everything. Yep. Oh, they're fantastic. They're just they're kind of the point of view characters. They're sitting back. They're out of everything. Just kind of commenting on what's going on. You can see why you'd relate to that. <laughs> right. I just it's such a great especially after watching the uh, the first two movies where, you know, the Night of the Living Dead is very much that siege film mentality where it it just it kind of starts at the beginning and just everyone's stressed through the rest of the movie yeah. uh, versus Dawn, which is more that weird militaristic uh, we're trying to reorganize society and kind of fight the the onslaught of the zombies. And, th- and then you get to this one where you've got two characters that are just like, nah, fuck it. There's just <laughs> fuck, fuck all this. There's zombies. We don't give a shit. Yeah, they just don't have time for it. Almost. It's sort of funny. I've always loved this opening sequence too. this idea that they're just wandering around this empty world looking for humans and they can't find them i just i don't know why and florida seems like the perfect setting for that where they're just like you know if things are gonna go bad it's gonna go worst in florida right i've always like i wonder what they did to block this off if this is like the back lot of a set somewhere yeah i don't know i'm sure that information's available but i've never looked it up right I mean, obviously, because it, it really does look so fucking abandoned. It really does. Yeah. I mean, one would have to almost assume that it's a back lot somewhere. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> my my alligator friend just sitting in the door of the library for some reason. 
It's it is an interesting thing because we've seen we're recording this during a global pandemic and what we've seen is yeah it doesn't take long for people to be out of the way before animals feel very comfortable just taking over. Right. So when you see you know the spiders and the alligator in the opening of this, you're like yeah that makes sense. Why wouldn't they be everywhere? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good zombie too. I, this is one of my favorite movies when it comes to effects. I just I don't they kind of just leaned heavily into the gore and they had just the right amount of technology where they could do shit like that <laughs> and it's just you know they hadn't yet got to that point of cgi where they can do whatever they want so they're still relying on makeup and stuff it's just pretty much perfect i i was like th- this one's interesting because first of all it's got a good cavalcade of random uh identifiable zombies yeah but there's also that weird thing where a few of these zombies, the makeup effects are just like above and beyond good. But then the rest of them, you've got a ton of the the blue face Dawn of the Dead zombies. Yeah. Well, and there's a reason for that. I mean, they're obviously they're They want to use the technology as best they can, but they're also trying to maintain some level of continuity between the films. Right. Right. Because even though the Romero films aren't direct sequels there's never a carry over character or anything like that i definitely think they are it's the best example of like spiritual sequels that i've ever seen they really feel like they're set in the same world and they're the themes and the even the growth of the zombies is just kind of natural throughout them yeah it's fascinating I, I was gonna say in some of the themes they call back to too like uh we didn't say anything but there's the scene uh, a minute or two ago where they're going down the street showing the alligator and stuff. And then you see like a pile of money just blowing around in the street. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to be a callback to Dawn of the Dead, which is all about the uh, the evils of consumerism. Yep. And then in, in this movie, we've moved past that. And now it's like, see how fucking stupid that was? <laughs> There's no point. Now it's just fucking sitting in the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's... Yeah, you're right. That's an obvious callback, and it's um, it's nice. It's a nice way of showing that hey, we're moving forward. We're, we're talking about something different now. I like this dude's weed farm too. Yeah. Once again, just showing what what's really important in the age of a pandemic. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're running. They're running out of food. They're running out of ammunition. <laughs> They've got all this stuff going on, and somebody's like, "Yeah, but I gotta tend my pot plants." Well, where, where I live, we have a so we have a liberal federal government and a conservative provincial government, and the liberal federal government legalized marijuana, as I'm sure everyone knows, but all the conservatives, you know, naturally were against everything the liberals did. However, our provincial conservative government declared marijuana shops an essential service when we closed everything down for a pandemic. They did did the exact same thing here. They're like, yeah, we don't want to deal with all those guys. They're like, you can have your Doritos and your pot as long as you stay home, and everyone was kind of cool about it. Well, here they made some weird arguments about it, because one of the arguments they made was that well, it's a medicine, and we have medical marijuana, and those people should have access to their medical marijuana. It's a medicine. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but we also have recreational marijuana, and you didn't close those places. Well, you know. 
It's a recreational medicine. Whatever. It's a recre. It's like a super chill side medicine. Yeah. I always thought this was interesting that as the movie starts, we've already got a character who's suffering from like exhaustion or PTSD or whatever you want to define this as. And he's just like going into it. He's already fucking just done. And he clearly can't handle it anymore. Everybody else knows it except him. Yeah, I like the graves too. It's a nice uh, touch. It just creates the world. Right. I was going to say the the best thing about the stressed out uh, bonkers character is he's supposed to be her like lover here at the beginning. <laughs> Am I the only person who has always thought he comes off super gay? I don't know. I think that's your toxic masculinity shining through here, where you think any character that looks weak is automatically homosexual. No, I I don't. Appreciate you speaking that way about. I, I don't. I I don't exactly mean that. I mean more of his his mannerisms and the way he talks. I've never thought about it that way, but like there at the beginning, after he gets out, he walks over and he like he like throws his bag on the ground in a very tantrum-y <laughs> weird way. You can say like it was a purse. It's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I've never I've never thought that, but I always did think they seemed like an odd couple, and I just I always attributed that to how much he had been changed before the movie started. Right, his, right. Like, he, clearly, he clearly isn't into it anymore. The one thing that always bugs me in these movies is there's always the zombies at the cages outside, and I don't understand why you wouldn't just walk over there and stab them all in the head, which they eventually do in, like, Walking Dead is the first time I see them actually doing it. But I'm yeah. like, eventually they're going to knock over that gate if you don't go over there and kill them all. So just send a guy over there once a day, stab them all in the head, move on. Yeah. There they are. These fucking guys. These guys. Speaking of your toxic masculinity, this would be the part where they're like, clearly that guy's breaking down, but they just call him a pussy and tell him to get in anyway. Because <laughs> we need more uh, zombies for the fucking experiments. <laughs> right. So what do you think about the underground bunker as a setting? Because I personally, like, I love it. I think this is... I know the original, like, everyone knows the story that the original plan for the movie was for it to be much bigger and have it kind of out in the world. Um, but I love the confined setting. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't know. I, the the bunker makes sense. And then I like the, uh, I don't know, it's just such an effective setting for it because it's like, no, it makes it makes total sense that they would be able to pack up down there and just survive down there. Yeah. But but then the the added bonus of that down there is just all of this shit, all of the like he explains later in the movie, the you know, the tombstones of the old world, you know, all those campers and the cars and the. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's neat, the idea that it's like just a storage facility and it's become a storage facility for these humans as well. Right. And it would also be really handy at the beginning, at least, you know, 
all those motorhomes would have stuff in them that you need, be it everything from maybe some leftover food to a blanket to, you know, just somewhere soft to sleep back when they had more people. Right. I mean, that's that's what I was thinking, because, you know, uh, the the pilot and his buddy are living down here in their own little <laughs> Shangri-La that they've built. And I would so prefer that to staying in the uh, the barracks. Yeah. The only thing I always found weird about it was there's all these motorhomes down here and they, they sleep in the same one. I don't want my own space, I think. Sure, you can have them beside each other and share a yard, but <laughs> when you have a th- whatever seemingly more motorhomes than people, you might as well each get your own. Right. When I was a kid, this always freaked me out, the idea of having zombies, like, there. I always wondered how you'd sleep at night, knowing that they were just there. And you were like, oh, there's a little fence, it's fine. <laughs> right, a, a really shitty fence. Yeah. I always wonder when military people see a movie like this, they're like, uh, we're not like that. That doesn't seem fair. I, <laughs> also, I think, I think the worst thing is, is uh, the few people in the military I know would be like, we're not like that. And then someone would be like, uh, maybe. And then they're like, well, yeah, there are those guys. <laughs> the biggest thing for me is like, yeah, OK, there are those guys, but they're never in very good shape. And I'm like, they're supposed to be in the military. <laughs> How do these guys make it in the military? They're really letting themselves go ever since this uh, zombie plague hit the earth. I, I suppose it's that theory of uh, I think they even say something about it in the remake for Night of the Living Dead, where they talk about the fact that the people who are going to survive are pieces of shit because they're the only ones who are equipped to live in that world. Well, yeah. And there's also the element of we know these we're not given an exact timeline, but these people have been down here for a while and they've been trapped and we've seen the we can see the effect it's having on the one soldier. You got to wonder how all these people started out. I've always been curious about that. Like, clearly, everybody is stressed to the max. Everybody's a piece of garbage. Only like your two favorite characters have figured out how to just go live on their own and have a drink and relax and wait for everything to boil over. Everybody else is at full stress all the time and they deal with it not always in the most appropriate way i've i've often heard this zombie referred to as cave woman zombie that's fair almost like a vampire too you can see that element of it yeah that zombie got them big old forehead <laughs> this whole methodology of getting them out never seemed quite right to me it's gotta be a safer way to do this i mean you'd at least think they would put two or three poles on the collar and then have those three people kind of standing on opposite sides you know what i mean yeah instead of one person just flailing but you know i guess that's all part of the diminished uh staff that they're dealing with yeah, that's another thing. So I've uh, in my head, I've always imagined that this place probably started with quite a few people working in it and that over time it's whittled down. 
But up top, there's only like five graves in their graveyard. So, was there only five more people? No. There was a lot more. It's just we don't see them all in the graveyard for very good reasons that I don't know. I think there must have been more people than that, though. George, George Romero, you gotta give it to him. That dude could throw a strong female character in a movie. Yep. And that's ballsy for what is, to some extent, an action movie in the 80s. Most of the female characters were, you know, screaming and yelling and running around with their head cut off, and then they do that one helpful thing somewhere in the middle of the movie to prove how strong they were. She does not fall into that category. Not, not even a little bit. Although, although I'm assuming it probably falls under the same category as the slap from Night of the Living Dead, that uh, George Romero is just such a hippie and so out of tune with other people's hangups that he probably just didn't fucking think of it. Yeah, that's probably true. I yeah. just it's it's so funny hearing people be like a you know a black dude slapped a white lady in this movie and you know. <laughs> Oh, it's such a big deal. And George Romero was like, I don't know. I just, it was just in the script. We didn't even plan on that being a black guy. <laughs> I, I, I love that story that, you know, that the idea that they just cast a black actor in a 1968 movie without thinking about it, you know, lead role. I think that's just, it's one of the things I love about Romero is that he's just doing his thing and doesn't seem to even understand what's going on in the rest of the world. And yet his movies are all about having commentary on what's going on in the rest of the world. It's very interesting. He should probably not be slapping her. That's just this, weird. Yeah, this moment right here is weird because despite the fact that all she's doing is giving him a sedative so that he can get a little bit of sleep, it, didn't she have a look on her face like she was getting ready to kill a puppy? I mean, to some extent, yes. But I mean, the whole the whole interaction is very creepy because it's like, okay, they care about each other enough that they're trying to protect each other, and yet they're like, he's hitting her and she's giving him a sedative against his wishes. Like, those are very serious crimes they're committing against each other. In any other relationship, they'd be like, that's you guys got to get away from each other. Dr. Moustache. That's quite the look by 1985 standards. Eh? <laughs> the, the haircut's pretty typical, but that big goatee would have been very uncommon at the time. I just I want to know if you're all back there jerking each other off. <laughs> They do such a good job of establishing that, okay, so there was a world going on where these scientists felt like they had control. And now whoever's passed away and this guy's taken over and all of a sudden he just does not want those scientists. He does not give a shit about what they're doing. It's really neat how well they establish it without having to spend a lot of time on it. 
Right. There, and there's no parallel to the modern world where these uh, war hockey military types are slowly eroding the, the balance of power from science and reason. Well, the good news is in the real world, we won that. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> but, you know, it is interesting. Again, I, I made comments about this when I discussed that Waco thing. It's interesting to see that, you know, the commentary from what is this movie? Almost 40 years old is the same as it was like as it should be now. Right. You know, like, yeah, OK. Just... Nothing, so people, nothing changes. Yeah, people knew there was a huge problem that the world was headed in the wrong direction. And what did we do to accomplish to, to solve that? Nothing, right? We just moved forward. Yeah, the there's there's a lot of things in this movie that over the years I just have got more and more respect for, like the costuming, like his fucking outfit right here. With the military fatigues, and then he's got, like, the leather gun holsters over him, and then he's got a fucking bandolier like he's a fucking generalissimo or something. It says a lot about the character, because we all know that there's no need for them to be carrying guns whatsoever. Like, why would these military guys need to even have a a firearm on them at any given time? It doesn't right. make sense, but they're doing it because that's that's who they are. That's who's left. That's who's in command now is this guy who thinks he needs to wear a bandolier in order to, like, work out the budgets of who gets what for the scientists versus the soldiers. <laughs> He's probably the most boring actor in this whole movie. Yes. Mustache, mustache doctor. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> any other names, um, which is problematic because I've seen this movie so many times. I should have learned somebody's name, but all well, Rhodes and Bub, I know. But uh, it's. Yeah. Rhodes, yeah. Rhodes, Bub and Frankenstein. Like everybody, oh, yeah. those three characters names and no one else's. I know Frankenstein, that's his name, but I don't think it's his real name. So I don't think it counts. Right. This always fascinated me every time I've seen this movie. It's just, they walk in here and everything is just so fucking gory and weirdly scientific. And I love the way he's just drenched in blood and he just doesn't care. Oh, Bob. Yeah, we gotta be careful not to get caught up in watching the movie and not saying anything. Ah. He's he's just so fucking mesmerizing. Yeah. They the casting, especially like Rhodes Rhodes is perfect casting, but Frankenstein here is just crushed it. He's amazing. It's it, it's so weird because he's the mad scientist, but he's not the bad guy mad scientist that we're used to seeing. Like normally the character that's this crazy and scientific would end up having some weird plot where he's like, Oh, we'll turn us all into zombies and that'll save the day. And this guy never, never sort of takes that step to becoming the bad guy. It's, um, he just continues on his research, the whole movie and he's great. (laughs) I just, 
just don't know. How the fuck would you do that? How the fuck would you cut away everything but the brain in the back of the skull? Um, I assume you'd have one of those buzzy saw things that they use in... Uh... I don't. I just. I just feel like a, the brain. It seems like such a soft organ that that just wouldn't work. Uh, I'm not scientifically qualified to comment, so I'm just gonna say, yeah, you can. You can just cut off the skull part. I guess the brain's what's underneath. I don't know. Man, fucking bub. That actor. I can't, I couldn't imagine. That seems like such an impossible acting job, and he really nails it. Yeah, I love the shots too, where they just keep him in the background, and you you kind of can always tell that he's calmer than all the other zombies, even if you're not, even if we're not at the stage yet where we've been given that information. So on a rewatch, it really works. Right, and it gives that appearance that he's listening. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love that there's tension between every character in this movie too like even these two who are ostensibly on the same page are still not able to get along right I liked the idea that they carried the uh, smart zombie thing over to land of the dead but that one's it is it is the inferior of the uh, the big Ramiro ones um yeah, I've recently rewatched it, and I, I do really like it. I think that the performance, when I, I don't know who to put that on, whether it's on the actor or on, it's probably on the director. Um, the performance of that main zombie is just a little, it's too much, he's too human. Um, whereas, like, Bob nails it, and it's just that right amount of kind of, like, he's still a zombie, but we're seeing some level of intelligence from him. Yeah. Uh, whatever that uh, the big name, guy is called. The name of that zombie is Big Daddy. Yeah. And Which is also a terrible zombie name. Yeah, but I mean, he's not like they call him that in the movie. <laughs> it's like the other zombies are referring to him by name. But I, I, I did kind of like the idea of the evolution of the zombie from, like, we see it from, from night to dawn. Like, night, they're essentially mindless. Dawn, they've got some memories... In day, we see they can kind of, like, learn a few things. And then by land, we see that they can actually kind of organize to attack the humans. It suited the social commentary of that film very well. I just don't think the performance was on par. I think they overdid the humanization of them. They should have had him be a little more zombie-like. Yeah. I mean, the best part of land is that, that concept of now we've moved past this stage... And we've moved straight back into that oligarchy bullshit where the rich get to live in uh, complete safety and relatively like nothing bad ever happened while the poor have to do all the shit work of, you know, keeping the world running and supplying them with all their bullshit. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the whole thing of having them raid the outside world and then act shocked when people who are living in the outside world don't like that. That's such you know. a great speech too, where, you know, nothing bothers these guys except for the one thing is whenever they, you know, challenge him on his drinking and he's like, fuck you, we're running out. I'm going to drink as much as I can until we run out. 
Yep. He does not like it when people accuse him of uh, overindulging. It is funny, though, because um, watching this movie while we go through what we're currently going through, it is like when you log into social media, there's a lot of talk of day drinking from people who had jobs a couple of months ago, you know, would not have been posting publicly that they were drunk in the middle of the day. And uh, now they are, you know, and it's funny. And a lot of those people are just furloughed. They're going to go back to work. (laughs) I know. And a lot of them have kids at home and they're just like, yeah, day drinking while I teach my kid. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, (laughs) you know, so it it is funny that we've got these characters in, in this movie from the 80s going like this is what we'd be like in an apocalypse and i'm going yeah i can see most of these archetypes in my facebook friends list now <laughs> you're all jerking each other off yeah see i can't help but wonder almost if there was like a prequel to this where we could see how far gone these guys are like how much has the stress and all that pushed them to being these fucking asshole psychopaths and how much of it is just who they were as people from the moment everything went to shit and they were no longer being controlled because you know like theoretically these were all military men so like here he is threatening to like shoot people for walking away from him and he's like you know he used to be a guy that would be a law and order kind of guy one assumes oh this is such a great scene where like even they think he's joking well and in, in every group, there's always like those guys who think everything's funny and everything, and that one guy who takes it all seriously. That's that's why, you know, all the heavy metal bands, it's usually just like the one lead singer that ends up burning down a church and everybody else is like, I thought we were having fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, and the fact that so, yeah, they all seem shocked that it's come to this and this kind of violence and shit, but not a goddamn one of them does anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and part of that is, you know, when you've got military guys in charge of everything, they're used to the chain of command, and that's what they've been trained in, right? It's not their job to question the people above them ever. And that's probably very helpful in some circumstances, but in these situations, you'd think it'd be better if somebody could, you know, take him out and replace him with someone else. Mm. Then, the, then the question would be who, and it doesn't seem like there's any real good option. I always like watching people's faces, too, and trying to see if that's the moment that their character made the decision, you know. Like the uh, helicopter pilot right there, whenever he looks at Rhodes, you know in the back of his head he's like, oh, I'm taking that fucking helicopter and I am gone. Yeah. (laughs) 
That kind of ends up being the thing where you wonder, like, why didn't they? I don't know how hard it would have been, but, like, they were off. They had taken off. If they could have just snuck some supplies onto the helicopter at the beginning of the movie, they'd just be gone now. Yeah, right. I'd be tempted to do it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Here he comes. Fucking love this guy. It's funny because this again like we talk about how it um how it relates to the current day and it is like the big tough guys like running around screaming and stomping and i'm gonna take over and then scientists guy going what are you what are you gonna do you gonna fight you gonna you to shoot the virus you gonna fight it and that's sort of the same thing here he's like it's one of my favorite lines i'm running this monkey farm now frankenstein <laughs> Frankenstein's, like had, uh, so go ahead. I was gonna say Frankenstein's voice has always fucked me up too because he sounds just like uh, uh fuck I can't remember the actor's name but he he was the neighbor in uh, Boy Meets World the principal <laughs> Mr. Feeney yeah Mr. Feeney kind of looks like Mr. Feeney too just a he does. older more disgruntled version of him but now that I've told you that listen to his voice and you'll never hear anything else. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. That's really helpful. <laughs> see, what's funny about this is that you can kind of see both points of what's going on here. Because what's the point in doing all these scientific experiments if these are like if this is it you're not going to change the world from inside this bunker necessarily right if you can't get these ideas communicated to somebody with the ability to do something that's more widespread well right and the argument of the military guys of why why should they die for these people to do experiments yeah you know and it, again if if they were in contact with some central government where, hey, if we make a breakthrough, we could save the world. Well, then, yeah, you might have to sacrifice some lives to save the world. But sacrificing lives for an experiment that will like, – this guy has to individually work with each zombie for months to get them to be mildly trained is uh, – I can understand why that would be upsetting to them. As much as everybody in this movie is a dick, it's like I understand why they're dicks. Where will you go? Yep. yep. 
in high school, uh, me and one of my good friends used to do that to each other all the time. We'd just be sitting around doing something else, and we'd go, where will you go, Colonel? (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, this is where you realize they're all making good points. Like, yes, the scientists are the only ones with the ability to actually save the world. But these guys are being asked to pay the price with no real signs that it's going to actually help them in the long run. I mean, even even the uh, escapees plan isn't that good because they're like, we'll just fly to an island. And it's like, OK, you're on an island. How much food is on that island and how long is it going to last you? Yeah, because the answer is not very fucking much. <laughs> well, when this movie was new and, you know, people had people didn't like it that much. And they said it's oh, by far the worst of the trilogy and all that. A lot of that was a lot of the commentary. And one of the common things is, well, it's just so bleak and so dark. And you're like, yeah, it's the third movie in a world about the world ending. It's supposed to be bleak. It's supposed to be dark. There is no way out. And the the quote unquote happy ending that we're going to get to is we get to die in a beach instead of in a bunker. That's what you get. It's the closest thing you have. And it's kind of interesting that way. I know it's a little weird. I think I might take the bunker. Yeah, I don't. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Especially if, there's, if there was generators and I had like video games or something, I, I could probably be pretty chill down in a bunker for a pretty long time. Well, yeah, that whole question of how long does the fuel last and how long do you have lights is always the one, right? Because you're like, I don't know. If I had, like, people are learning right now that it's like with all our technology today, it's not that hard to be home by yourself. You can still talk to people. You can still do a lot of the things you used to do. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, but, you know, obviously 1985 standards, like, no internet. No, like, 85, it would have been, like, just broadcast television, too. You wouldn't even have, like, VHS tapes down there. So, I don't know. I love that music, too. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's so gross. I love it. The music in this movie, it's very 80s, but I think a lot of it works. It's solid. I mean, those those musical stingers are pretty good. Yeah. This movie, in a lot of ways, is very 80s. Um, it's just kind of a... It's a unique kind of look at the 80s where most 80s stuff is like so poppy and happy. And even, you know, horror films from the time are, you know, Friday the 13th kind of fun horror. And this one here is just it's so much like from that old like hippie just saying like, no, 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 this is not a good time. Nothing good has come from any of this shit. And I think like today's generation, a lot of people I think would agree with that. But it's it was a very uncommon view for back then. The idea that everything is in the 80s is actually very dark and bleak, and we shouldn't be happy right now. We should be trying to fix this. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like this. Ah, I'm angry. I'm going to go walk around the cave for a while. Yeah. I do love the look of this place with the just the exposed wood and stone wall and then the other wall is so, I don't know, sanitary. The idea that people are keeping secrets from each other in a fucking underground bunker. <laughs> Such an interesting thing. He's like, ah, come with me. They're fist fighting again. <laughs> These guys are all fist fighting. You, why don't we just go have a drink? That seems better. Doesn't that seem more fun? Also, in in one of my other weird brain things, because I'm always associating people with other people, to me, this character has always been Apocalypse Mr. Bean. Okay. <laughs> You're reaching a bit on that one, because this guy speaks out loud. I know. I'm just saying, he looks, he looks a lot like disheveled, bearded Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, he's skinnier than him, too. It's like he let himself go. I always loved this idea that they just go back down in here and they've got their own little space. Like, I feel like these two are like, this is how Romero sees himself in this movie, is he's the guy that's just like, let's just sit back, relax, enjoy ourselves. Yeah, let's go, let's go live in the cave. Yeah. We'll string up some Christmas lights. It's... And, like, I feel like they're right. Like, what you were saying about, oh, you could live in a bunker. It's like, well, yeah. You could... You could probably make yourself pretty comfortable down there and ride it out. I mean, especially like, yeah. with, with the electricity. If you got the electricity, you're good. It becomes a problem, I think, if you have nothing to do and you spend too much time sitting around thinking about the fact that you're technically just waiting to die. But technically, we're all just waiting to die. I mean, this I just, I just love this. Like he's, he's wearing jeans and a comfy sweater. Like, <laughs> it's he looks so relaxed, man. I was gonna say, but I think that would be that would be the secret to the apocalypse is just, uh, you know, being able to, you know, wash off and put on a comfy sweater. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You got like if you know the apocalypse is coming, the thing you got to stack up on is your favorite kind of jeans, whatever it is that you like to wear. <laughs> you need a bunch of those <laughs> so that they don't wear out on you. Right. I mean, I suppose the nice thing about denim is if you treat it right, it can last a long time. It's true. I love the background of the shots too, though, where it's like it's this. Oasis Paradise, but if you look at just the wrong angle, you can see that they're still underground, and you can see there's just garbage piled up back there. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> I've been doing that job just fine. 
Hey man, I pull my weight around here just enough that I get to live in my sweet little, uh, sweet little spot in the corner. I don't need to be involved in all the nonsense. That's such a big... He just pours her like half a fucking glass of liquor. Hey man, what are you gonna do? Sometimes you just need to pour somebody a, a lot of liquor all at once. That's not just a lot of liquor. That's like a, a fuck your life up amount of liquor. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good speech. <laughs> I love it. I love the message that like everything means nothing. That's such a good ad right there, too, where, you know, he yells Tombstone. And of course, it echoes and stuff. But then really faintly in the background, you hear the zombies. Yeah, it works. I love that. I love that these like and this is I mean, this is kind of a trope in filmmaking, but it's always like just these background characters that just get it. And they understand the world they're living in better than all of the main characters of the film. Yeah, I've always been a little worried. I cuz and I don't think he is, but I've always been a little worried that this character is a quote fingers uh a magical black person character. Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? He's the he's the guy who's interesting and he's got an accent and he he knows all the things. Yeah, I mean that argument's there. But I don't think he's that shallow of a character, but... No. And there's also an element of... After Night of the Living Dead, there was obviously an intent to make the hero of every movie a black guy, right? And I, like, I believe Romero when he says he wasn't really thinking about it when he was casting um, for, the, for the first film, but you can't deny that it's know in dawn and then in day and then in land it's like i guess the zombie is the closest thing to a hero in that movie <laughs> and he is a large black man it's yeah, i guess that's true uh, it's obviously intentional i think um and i don't know, I, I don't think it hurts or helps the film either way like if, as long as this guy can give a performance like he's giving i don't think it matters what his skin color is The accent always did kind of throw me off, though, because it's like, he's clearly not American, so why is he in this bunker with all the Americans? Right. But I don't, again, there's not a lot of point in getting hooked on little details like that. She's down in that booze, too. I, yeah, you're right. I, I was going to say, one of the interesting things in this one, too, is the, while, you know, the uh, the cause is always slightly vague... 
it's yeah. always shown as a very sciencey thing in the first two movies. You know what I mean? And and in this one, you have the scientist, but then you've got the one guy who's like, "No, it is God." <laughs> we pissed him off. Well, and there's always those people in our society, and you can call it what you want, right? Anytime there's a major problem, some people obviously try to say it's just God's way of fixing it or nature's way of fixing it or whatever they believe to be the, the power, the higher power. Um, and, you know, even if it's a sciencey problem, that those beliefs don't necessarily contradict each other, I guess. <laughs> I love this, where he's trying to feed him, like, fucking beef jerky, like canned dog food. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, it's a logical way around the problem is if you can find something else for them to eat, they'll leave you alone. I mean, except the problem is they've they've already established the fact that whenever they eat something, it's not like they digest it. They just eat it and poop and then eat more. Fair enough. I think the disturbing thing that's ever been established is, do zombies shit? Because you'd think they'd have to. Well, most of their internal organs are not working, as is my understanding. Right. But if they're just eating flesh and packing it in, eventually you'd think they'd they have to, like, shove it through the works, right? And out the other side? I don't, I don't want which, to talk about this anymore. In, in which case, does that mean, like, every zombie's got a pant load of shit? Well, not every zombie, because there's usually one nude zombie per movie, so... Or at least one wearing a hospital gown. Yeah, that's true. It's... <laughs> that's such a good reaction, too. <laughs> he turns off the light, and that zombie's like, ah, hey, what, the, what the hell? What the fuck, dude? Well, it's funny because it, it does a really good job of showing, like, yeah, they're kind of mindless and dumb. Like, they can't understand lights getting turned off, but they do notice the change in the room, right? So they're not completely mindless and dumb. It's right. very subtle. The difference well, between, it, yeah, being completely mindless and whatever zombies are is hard to describe. Yeah, and there's that thing that Frankenstein's right. Like, the, the whole thing is that you can reach them like through tone of voice and through all that kind you can affect their behavior yeah because even that other one that was overly aggressive in the other room calmed down after he kind of you know <laughs> told him he was being an asshole and shut off the light well yeah and it always raises sort of that question of like are they just reacting the way a dog does to your tone of voice or Right. You know, are they actually being able to process what you're saying? And, you know, the same thing here is like, are they just mimicking human behavior or is he actually trying to do something? Right. This this actor's jaw had to hurt so fucking bad from doing that sideways jaw thing he does through the movie. You know, he's always going. Arr, arr. He's like. Oh. 
just the shred performance his face. is so good. I, lo I love the performance. It's always bugged me that the makeup, you can just see the eye a little bit. But, you know, they did the best they could. Right. Got to appreciate the fact that it's a Stephen King book. Yeah. I do love it when you have like these sort of, you know, quote unquote, bigger films that aren't just these little indie films. And it's still just guys that are just like, I'm going to put my buddy's book in it. Because <laughs> that's really all that is. didn't make me want to be its friend <laughs> these two do look like they're genuinely fascinated by what's going on here though which I think is great they're just like holy shit like, we've been on his side this whole time but I didn't know he was accomplishing anything I love the fact that this pisses this guy off you know Rhodes comes in and he's like ah he's making progress you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah but it does feel like how that character would react. Oh, most certainly. You know. There is a tendency among certain people who are be like, you're an idiot, you'll never accomplish anything. And then when you go to accomplish something, they block you because they don't want you to prove them wrong. <laughs> right. But even like this, this all this feels like it's sort of the logical, um, like the, the next step after the zombies that were returning to the mall, because that's all they could think to do was go to the mall, right? Right. Now that you take one and you take away its basic need for food, and you spend time trying to like train it or whatever, it can remember a few more things. This reaction's so great. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, did you just teach that thing to fucking talk? <laughs> See, when you think about the logical um, carry through from this into land as well. It's like where Land of the Dead is kind of having that conversation about whether it's okay to mistreat the zombies, and they're sort of saying, like, maybe they deserve to be treated with a little bit more respect, and they ought to be, I don't know, like, more humanized. This is the this is the starting point of it right here, where it's like, right. oh, like, if it can remember the, what it was like to be in its normal, like, life, then maybe we shouldn't just shoot them all in the head which ironically I said earlier that you should just shoot them all in the head, but it's <laughs> playing both sides of the fence. Like it, it raises that question of like when it's kind <laughs> of like the old thing about uh, the old thing about like, if you have AI, when does it become sentient and deserve to be treated with respect and dignity? And so here you're going well, on the other end, how dumb do you have to get before you're allowed to stop being treated with 
respect and dignity. I just that once again the the actor who plays Bub so fucking good because that yeah. that look of anger and then confusion. It's hard to act through that much makeup too. They're not inclined to do that, Captain. It's he's so smug. I used to be a high school principal. <laughs> Wasn't even the science teacher. <laughs> I gave helpful advice to the neighbor kids. It's a little creepy in retrospect. Everybody in this movie is convinced that they're 100% right. Like, he clearly is. Rhodes clearly is. Guy flying the fucking uh, helicopter is clearly convinced that he's 100% right in his approach. This is another uh, zombie. I've heard this one referred to as racist Aunt Jemima zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Now I can see it. <laughs> yeah, once you give him a name, it locks in forever. Yeah. Right in the neck, me. Yeah. Oh, God, the gore is so good in this fucking movie. I love the extra kill. One wasn't enough. <laughs> oh, I love those bites, man. They look so fucking good. They really do. And they look better than the more realistic ones in like later movies. I think I'd I think I'd rather have the fake super gore than the realistic looking wound. It's hard to say. Because these ones don't look completely fake either. Like I've never seen somebody bite someone in the, in the arm enough to pull out flesh. I have to assume this is kind of what it looks like. That's always the moment, too. Every zombie movie has that scene, but it's always hard to watch a guy shoot his friend in the head because his friend got bit. I do like, in, in this one, I, I like that scene right there for a couple reasons. When, uh... Uh, see, I forgot his name again already. Not Rickles, the other one. 
hands him the pole and you know he's like do you got it and the guy's like yeah, yeah i got it and he, and he, you know, he, he double checks and he actually looks uh concerned not just for other people's safety but that that guy can actually just handle what he's doing yeah immediately followed by the thing breaking and his friend dying and him coming for blood you know yeah Now, is this this is definitely an early instance of it? But is there an earlier example of them trying to uh, sever the limb to prevent the infection? I, I can't think of necessarily an early example in zombie movies. Movies, it's pretty common now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. So, this may be where it was created. That's not a sanitary way to do that, by the way. Just holding fire up to it. Yeah, that would. The the crazy thing is that would hurt, so fucking oh. bad, like so bad on like this other world level. I would yeah, rather and... you fucking kill me. Yeah. You're just literally cooking his flesh at this point. <laughs> I always wondered too, like when these soldiers come running down here, are they going to be now shocked to see that these guys have this set up? Did they not know? Right. So like, I want to well, kill I'm that assuming, guy. And... I, I was going to say, I got to assume that they knew they had this trailer set up back here, but they, I don't think they probably knew how nice their digs were. That guy's too drunk to shoot straight, you can tell. It is, this is like a classic movie problem too, though. Like, they were all there. They all know that the strap broke. They all know that the strap breaking is not his fault. But yet they're blaming him as if it's entirely his fault. Right. And it's... It's just a it's a thing that happens in movies all the time that it's just like but, but wouldn't they know? Like if nothing else, wouldn't they be able to pick up that stick thing and see that the strap is broken and obviously be able to tell that there's no way that could be his fault? But I'm only worried about that cuz I've seen this movie, you know, dozens of times. Right. It is the problem with seeing movies a hundred times is you tend to overanalyze them and you're like, ah, now what? I, I was going to say, see, I think this is the uh, the weirdest reaction in the whole movie because they've established how fucked up Rhodes is and how Rhodes was willing to kill someone just for, like, turning their back on him. And, and now... He's like, nah, fine. We'll let this one slide. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a different scenario, right? Because so if one person in there in this scenario pulls the trigger, everybody goes down. Like they've got themselves a good old like Tarantino standoff here. It's right. like, what do you do? And so it's like, you you can't. It's a no-win situation. Whereas when he was willing to kill one person, it was to establish that he was in charge. You know, he was going to sacrifice one of the people, not one of the people on his team, 
and it was going to be for a purpose. So he is kind of methodical in a way. He's just insane and methodical. Somebody needs to get another, another glass of that booze. She needs it right now. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty obvious that she's in shock. so bleak the bleakness it's but i mean to me that's like that's what night of the living dead had going for I, maybe that's why I, I i do probably think dawn of the dead is my least favorite of the original trilogy of zombie films here is because it is so hopeful and everybody is so happy in it and i'm like eh, it is a zombie movie maybe they shouldn't be you know kind of like right. the bleakness of the other two films I mean I, I, I like I said this is my favorite personally yeah out of all of them and I I dig it but I, th I think you just I don't know you have to have the right attitude coming into it I could see why an audience who's just coming to watch a horror movie might watch this and be like what in the fuck and it's like, well, that's because it's got all this social commentary and it's bleak and it's yeah. heart wrenching, you know. Well, and I definitely feel like it put it up against other movies of its time and it stands out as different. Whereas, you know, like that's not what audiences were necessarily looking for in 1985. Um, and I think now it's probably it's it's earned respect, especially amongst horror fans over the years. And I think the reason for that is because people have seen it. They haven't gone into the theater expecting to see one thing and saw something different. They know what to expect now. Yes. They're like, let's get the fuck out of here. to be like a baby I don't really know it's not a baby baby but it could be a young person or a midget of some sort right we do not get enough midget zombies that is one thing that this trilogy of films is lacking severely <laughs> where's all the wee people because when you think about it they're not running away they'd get caught Steve's a little ableist. Speaking of wheelchair <laughs> zombies, <laughs> now I'm upset I haven't seen one of those.
is this another thing that the uh, 80s predicted? Is guy randomly recording everything he does? When uh, without understanding that that's how the world would be now. <laughs> this this is the worst thing where basically you know <laughs> one of the things that fucks him is that Frankenstein's just like man a zombie's a zombie I don't give a shit who it is well and this dates back to Dawn as well where it was uh, you know they were saying you know you gotta burn the corpses and you can't keep them for I forget the exact words but they were saying like, you, there was religious figures being like well we need to do proper funerals and stuff and like no 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 just, there is no time for sentiment in a time like this you have to just do what you can and Frankenstein is the is the I don't know maybe he takes it a little too far for lack of a better term where it is like right. you can understand why people who just lost their friend don't want to see that body experimented on openly in front of everyone but on the other hand where else is he going to get materials <laughs> what you listening to bub a little bit of cannibal corpse What a zombie pun. This is super fucked up. I remember watching this movie like not probably not the first time I saw it, because who can remember the first time, but one of the times I saw it after having not seen it for a while, I'm just thinking like, oh my god, he's not biting him, like getting all excited. <laughs> right. the gore and everything in this film the, the scenes that are making us stop and uh, just watch the movie instead of talking about it are the bub scenes and the dialogue scenes that's what yeah. draws us in which is yeah. a real testament to the filmmaking well it's just so fucking his facial expressions and stuff are fucking mesmerizing yeah sure it's convenient that that tape player has a fucking giant green button and a giant red button for going <laughs> stop right <laughs> I remember watching this for the first time too where he says reward and he brings the bucket over and you know bump actually eats it and then you're like uh oh what's in the bucket <laughs> I know what zombies like. It's so gross looking, dude. Part of me wants to know what all the different guts and stuff that they made that guy put in his mouth are, and part of me doesn't. I mean, I know some of them, and it's horrifying. Well, there's like the classic story that some of the pig and sheep guts that they fucking had on set went bad because the refrigerator broke or whatever. Right. And yet. I know Rhodes, Rhodes, whenever they're gotten to him, that is pantyhose stuffed with uh, 
I can't I can't remember what it's like a whole bunch of weird stuff. It's like newspaper and meat or something weird like yeah. that. So where shit's about to hit the fan. They do not like it. Running out of ammo. I better shoot this guy 50 fucking times. Well, that is one of the funny things. Like, when they complain about running out of ammo, it's like, you don't have enough bullets to accomplish anything anyways. Like, if those gates at the top come down, that's it. You're, you're done. Oh, Rhodes. You so crazy. You have to wonder, too, how many of these people know he's gradually converting to a zombie when you see his behavior. Because, like, we saw it in Dawn of the Dead. We know that the fever and everything leads you to zombification, but they didn't. Right. Although he would also be running a fever if they did something like cut his arm off and then severely burn it. I guess that's a good point. You know that all the people filming this really wanted to have some sort of car chase scene break out here. Man, wouldn't it have been great if there's like a go-kart? Just like go-kart <laughs> chase sequence through here. Or a golf cart or something like that. Yeah, there were those golf carts earlier. I'm surprised they're not driving around in them. Right. I assume it has something to do with not wanting to use up the electricity that they have. <laughs> they did. They're like, we took this guy hostage. That's the most boring guy down here. Don't worry about it. We have her too. Shit. They're like, ah, mustache doctor. It's good to see you again. gonna regret though if they end up flying off in the helicopter and he doesn't have time to change back into his jeans and his comfy sweater he's gonna regret that right oops oh that's such a good moment such a nice gunshot it looked good too i just love i love the fact that there's no pause you know he says you'll never get me to do that bang <laughs> you gonna give us a rad fly boy This is such a great uh, turn in a film. You know what I mean? It's kind of the, where just act three just goes fucking berserk all at once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's This is maybe like the best example of that happening in history where it has been relatively calm up until now. We've been sitting here discussing the characters and what are their motivations and shit. And it's like, oh, we're done with that now. Basically at this moment. 
Yep. Now we got Lady and Drunk in a tunnel full of zombies fighting everyone off with a shovel. Uh, crazy, sweaty beard dude going to commit zombie suicide. Yep. And not just zombie suicide, but fucking everyone else in the process. Yeah, zombie murder suicide. I love that this guy's still drinking. It's like, if I'm going down, I'm going down happy. He <laughs> <laughs> his ass. I do like that, too, when you get a, a civilian character who tries to go up against a military guy fighting for a gun and it just it lasts one second and he loses you're like yeah that's probably how that would go yeah like i assume if i like tried to grab a gun from a military guy i wouldn't get it i i'm assuming i don't know that for sure but <laughs> run motherfucker love him throwing that cheap shot too he's just like yeah can't win a fight, but I can get you once. Punching in movies is always one of those things, though. I'm pretty sure if somebody holds you up and punches you in the face three times like that, like that's it. You're done for a while. I don't know. I mean, uh, unless you got one hard-ass face. I haven't been punched in a long, long time because I'm an adult and I don't get into bar fights or anything, but it's like... <laughs> I have a feeling I'm staying down after one. Yeah. Another theme in this movie, I, I'm assuming it's supposed to be intentional, but the sexual repression that's going on. Yes, it is intentional, I think. And there was references to it earlier, correct? Well, kind of, where they're constantly giving her shit about fucking this guy, and then, you know, every time they're mad, they keep yelling about jerking each other off and then I, I don't know just a lot of a lot of the angry comments come off an awful lot like angry sexual comments yeah I think the idea that a lot of the or a portion of the tension is the fact that these guys can't get laid and maybe that's Romero commenting on the prudishness of the 80s compared to his uh, 60s lifestyle I'm not sure though Maybe. It's a, it's definitely there in the film. Like it's definitely there's an element of, if these guys could all be getting laid, they'd probably not be such dicks. But I'm not sure exactly what the deeper meaning of it all is. And now right. I don't care because now we're in a zombie tunnel. I was getting ready to say, you you know what would be really fucking awful, being in a pitch black ass tunnel with a bunch of zombies. And you have a half a light on it, but they knock it off because they're dicks. Zombies right. are dicks, it turns out. Your only weapons are a shovel and a two by four. Oh yeah, that's the best. Yep. That's shovel great. kill. And now the blink. I love the flipping the head away. Bam! <laughs> such a good effect oh, that's awesome this guy won't give up double axe handle punch I don't think that works I don't know 
I have to get into a fight one time to try all these movie moves and see how they work. Yeah, the axe handle thing, I just can't... It seems like it limits your motion more than anything. Yeah, I feel like you'd probably be better off to throw, like, one punch with each hand individually. Just an open palm slap in the ears. Yeah. Blow out somebody's eardrum. I mean, in this actual situation, my move would have been the give up and retreat a long time ago. So anything they do is technically makes him a tougher guy than me. Oh, this is such a great fucking moment. Like, fix it! Fix just, the box, man! Just, just fix it. I assume you know how to do this? Just because I don't know how to do it doesn't mean nobody should know how. I feel like, too, there's a ladder right there. So there's another way out, and those guys are just panicking and not understanding that there's other ways out. Yeah, I gotta assume zombies don't know how to climb a ladder. So a good place to be, just climb halfway up that ladder and just sit there. Yeah, I don't know how long you last up there. But... Three days. Three days, how long? I feel like that guy in Tremors where they just find him on top of the... Uh, yeah. Whatever it was. I mean, you'd run out of water in your body and die pretty fast. You'd also have to pull your dick out and piss off a ladder, which would be weird. I think I could do that. If the ladder's attached to the wall, it's not like you have to bounce it. <laughs> I forgot about that. The flip? <laughs> yeah, where it's that zombie that does a front flip. Oh, it's... That's like a Batman 66 front flip after getting hit, the way he goes over. This, this part right here, I, I feel like might be the only unnecessary part of the film. I don't think we need to see him just running through the tunnels and just headshotting zombies. Well, we don't need to see anything in movies. It's kind of fun to see things in movies sometimes, though. This is definitely his commando moment, right? This movie came out the same year as Commando. That's not a coincidence. They get their moment. I love this fucking guy. Uh, Look at all those different zombies. What are the What are the best? Oh, there's the clown zombie. Football player. We already had the bride. I love it. And we're preparing for one of the greatest moments in zombie movie history. This is so good. I love all this. Look how pissed Rhodes is. He, he kind of has so angry. Well, I'm not going to criticize his dental work and anything like this. Look at that neck bite. Ah, so oh, that nipple bite. Ah. Oh, no. The effects are so good. I don't, I don't know how they do this, but it's fantastic. Here it is. 
Yeah. Look at that. And look at the looks on their faces. Like, oh, yeah. we wanted that to come down. The fact that we're not the ones that brought it down can't be good. Uh, uh, oh, oh shit. I don't know. I don't know whose reaction is my favorite. Probably Rhodes, just because I feel like Rhodes is putting on the airs of being that strong man through the whole fucking movie. And right there at that moment, whenever he sees those zombies coming out, he just chickens and fucking runs. Yep, I love it. I always wondered whether that zombie was supposed to fall off that elevator or not. I would assume not, but it's a good effect. It worked, yeah. Rhodes! I love it. I love how he just abandons everybody. It's fascinating to me. Apparently most of these zombies were just like considered extras too, so they didn't really get paid for any of this stuff that they're doing right now. I would have been in this movie for free. I read online somewhere that they got like a t-shirt, a copy of the newspaper from the beginning that says like the dead walk and like a like the idea paid like a buck or something to make it legal. <laughs> That's all. But you know, when you're making part three in a very famous series of horror films, it's not hard to get zombie extras. Oh. I don't think he really understands. He's like, God, oh, this broke. <laughs> Oh, sad zombie. I saw some, like, uh, reviews online for this movie that said uh, the characters are so bad that the zombie is, like, the most uh, sympathetic character in the whole movie. And I'm like, well, obviously that's by design. I don't understand how that can, people can, can not <laughs> consider that a criticism. Like, that's... Look at this performance. Of course you're sympathetic to that guy. Right. I was going to say, plus, Bub is the only one in the movie who gets more justified as the movie goes on. Like, everybody else is spiraling into shit motivations. Yeah. But he's the only one who gets righteous justice at the end. <laughs> it's an interesting way to look at it, actually. Aha, where are you going? Nowhere. Oh, here's another good one. Oh, yeah, just just gets torn to shreds. I fucking love this. And it's that if you that effect too of him him screaming and it pinches off almost like a balloon yeah. as they rip his head off. Yeah, and the head's still moving as they pull it away. Ah, oh, so oh. good. Technically, that all these comebacks to life are good. Oh, they're fantastic! It's Tom Savini at his finest. Old Old Rickles here is the one who gets the the eye, right? I can't remember. Yeah, I think I that's right. Where they where they pull his like eyebrow off and make his <laughs> eye like pop out. I love it, dude. It's, it explains. If people don't understand why zombies are so scary, this is... Yeah, there it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Bites the fucking fingers off. I love it. I love how the zombies just go full beast mode. They're just like clawing over each other to get out the other guy. Right. Nobody stands a chance. You just you cannot win against a crowd that big. I th this this moment's so crazy because he unloads that gun into their torsos, knowing damn well that it wouldn't do anything. Yeah, but he's in full panic mode at this point. It's just that guy with those fucking hedge trimmers. This is, I like that too. Like the humanity is what's like them falling apart is what's killing them. Cause had somebody just opened that door for him, they could have just locked it behind him and probably everything would have gone fine. Right. Not not fine. You'd still be trapped, but you'd have time to stop and think, and you'd have access probably to food, and you can come up with a plan on how to get out of there. Well, and it's got because, that. I, I was going to say there's also that cool theme of you're only as strong as the weakest person. So if Rhodes and everyone else had recognized that one guy was that stressed out and falling apart, and they had just legitimately said hey take some time off we need to like yeah. de-stress you a little bit none of this would have happened it's true yeah and then even then like if they had just if Rhodes hadn't abandoned his guys there would they have stood a chance of mowing those zombies down with headshots right at the fucking uh, elevator maybe but because they can't keep their shit together they end up paying the ultimate price there it is. That's right. Neck bite. There's a lot of neck biting in this one. Yeah. There's a real mix of the blue zombies with the non-blue zombies. This is probably the right move. Yeah. It's probably the way out of that. I don't know. It'd be hard. It'd be hard to do, but it's the right choice, I think. Yeah, I don't even know how hard it would be to do, given the circumstances. <laughs> I just the fact that these these guys are just nothing but headshots, while the military guys keep shooting everybody in the torso. Yeah. Well, there's an argument to be made too that the military guys are probably trained for torso shots because it's the easier target on a battlefield. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose that's true. Climb the fucking ladder. Go. Those other idiots didn't climb a ladder and now they're all dead, so we should climb a ladder. Headshot. I like that headshot because... You get the blood, but you get whatever that white pus is coming out first. Yeah. That's fine. Sometimes people have an infection when they die and get turned into zombies, I guess. I 
I do not want that guy. <laughs> I I do like this too, where they're making this final ascent, and the basically that same musical cue that's been being used to torment you now takes on that cheery note of they're like okay they're gonna make yeah. it well most move music from the 80s can be cheery and also torment you I don't know if you've noticed that but mm, Madonna <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah So I'm like, what the fuck? I just got shot by a zombie. Yeah, fucking son of a bitch. That was a really neat moment, too, there, where he goes to open the door and his arm hurts because his shoulder's been shot. It's <laughs> just something you don't see in most movies. <laughs> I know you can't really see where he gets shot in the back, but I've always liked to imagine that he shot him in the ass. Of course you would. Looks like the leg maybe has a bullet hole in it, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got shot in the leg, but I'm just going to imagine he shot him in the ass. Well, you do what you got to do to get yourself through these dark films. Ugh. <laughs> That's, so good. I love uh, the shot of just the shadow coming around the corner. Just, just all of this right here. Him, him, walking, half crouched, leaning against that wall, screaming, "Come on!" I don't. That moment there. That's an awesome shot with all the hands. Right. <laughs> of course, Bob has to be a bit of a dick about it. That's what I'm saying. That is the zombie equivalent of a one-liner. Yeah, that's what they got. I kind of like this moment too, because it seems like now he's like, "Well, I don't, I don't know what to do now." <laughs> I did my thing. I have literally no idea what to do. And torn right in half. Gotta love it. Legs getting dragged down the hallway, but his face is still alive. Oh, this is so much fun. Oh, man. Yeah, see, that's a, that one of the arguments I would make for this movie versus other zombie movies is so every zombie movie has a good disembowel eating somebody scene but only this one is it basically every single one of them yeah and really most of that the, the disembowelment really is popularized by this movie right in for the purposes of the zombie subgenre anyway now you get I've always wondered too like did somebody come along five years later and just find this pit of zombies and be like oh fuck 
Somebody's got to fix this. Hey, an old military base. I bet they've got supplies down there. What's down there? It is chock full of fucking zombies. Yeah. Maybe military zombies? Too, maybe. No. No, there's a clown. Fucking football player. Doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think about it. Yeah, I'll tell you what it makes this movie not as bleak as it could have been. How bleak would the ending have been if they got in the helicopter and flicked the thing and the fuel tank was empty? <laughs> or what if they just didn't quite make it? Like they get it, they go to they go to turn it on and it's like something's still tied down. Start with a dream sequence, end with a dream sequence. Plus they had that one in the middle. True. Every act gets a dream sequence. I would like to know where this is. Like, did they fly to, like, Nova fucking Scotia or something? Because I don't know a lot of places where you're on a white sand beach with coniferous trees that close to it. It is interesting. I mean, where the fuck is that? I mean, there are places near where I live that have that. It's not common. And it's not an island. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that looks, to me, that looks like Canada. Yeah. That that was Romero's ultimate goal. This would have been around the time when he was trying to figure out a way to move to Canada. (laughs) Ah... Howard Sherman is Bub. Yeah. I just learned today that Greg Nicotero was in this movie. Wait. Who is Greg Nicotero? He's, I think, one of the... I think he's just one of the background soldiers. His oh, name's right. just... A, I, I saw that earlier today online, and then I just saw his name pop up in the credits, but I didn't recognize him during the movie. So... I don't know. Huh. Do you have any comments you want to make about the credits as they go through here? The, the way I don't know. Contrasts the black. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we can say that there's no post credit scene. That's the, true. The 80s, they haven't got there yet. Yeah. If this was the 90s, then we'd be watching this on a VHS tape, and then whatever song is playing, the music video would come on after the credits, but... No shit. That was a big <laughs> thing, wasn't it? It's so fucking weird. It's like you just watched the whole movie, and then you watched the credits and listened to this song, and at the end, we're going to put the music video, in case you ever want to watch all the way through just to watch a four-minute video. I'm trying to remember what the fuck it was. Do you remember Adam's Family had one, and it and it was a rap group? I almost no, want to say it was like fucking one. Tupac or something. It's the weirdest fucking... Because you get yep. done watching Adam's Family and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, Adam's Family rap. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? The only two I specifically remember having the uh, music video at the end of the VHS tape were uh, Armageddon and Men in Black. And that's just because I rented a cottage like five years ago and they had those two VHS tapes in there. So I watched them both. <laughs> and both times I'm like, why would you put the music video at the end? What's the point of that? That I, I, that's what a special feature was. I know. The only thing worse than that was I think there was like a release of Star Wars 
when the special editions came out and they put like all the making of stuff but they put it before the movie did you ever have a copy of that i think it was star wars that did that so uh, it was like I don't have to watch all this before I, you get to the movie I, it's like no i was gonna say i remember buying vhs's and if you bought like a special edition or collector's edition there would always be like an intro by the filmmaker or one of the actors <laughs> or something like that. And the first time you'd watch it, you'd be like, man, this is so fucking cool. And then every time after that, you'd watch it, you'd be like, God damn it, I got to fast forward to 35 minutes of this guy talking. Yeah. Because even when DVDs came along, you would still have that like play or play with intro <laughs> option. Right. Anyways, we're on a tangent now by even our standards, and we've officially hit the end of the credits. Indeed. So, end of movie. Know. Does that mean we're done? I think so. All right. Thank. I guess. Thank, uh, thank y'all for listening. If you uh, came and watched, we hope you did. Oh, are we thanking our listeners now? Fun, fun. We don't do that on our regular episodes. Yeah, I know, but that's good. Usually, usually uh, Brian is running things, and Brian doesn't thank people. So, yeah, if you guys ever feel thankless, it's because of Brian. That's, that's correct. <laughs> it's all him. <laughs> Send your email to uh, whatever our email address is. It's Gmail, but I don't know the first part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Send it to the Midnight Drive-In at fudgeyourself.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done here. All right. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.